You're listening to the I Refuse Podcast. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. For this episode, we are welcoming back one of my all-time favorites to the podcast. This is a follow-up to Landmines and Eggshells episode that we did last April. I enjoyed that episode so much with this gentleman that I decided to bring him back to purge our thoughts and feelings about the world today. Very electric, very entertaining, a lot of fun, and probably one of my favorite, more favorite chaotic episodes. We produce this with love. Enjoy. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the I Refuse podcast wherever you see us. Bye. Fendi, like the bay. <laughs> This is the I Refuse Podcast. Here we are. Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. We're finally on. Yes. How you doing? (laughs) Good. How are you? How was your nap? Uh, It was pretty good. I've been, like, staying up so late lately, and I think it's just winter time. Like, I get so depressed during the winter, and I just stay up late watching movies and I don't know, <laughs> become a mess. I do the same thing, um, especially on the weekends. Um, right. You know, because there's so much, uh, so many streaming apps, and there's like so many free streaming apps. Um, I get caught up watching like older unsolved mysteries and like 80s sitcoms and shit like that. Yeah, like I've been watching uh, Blacklist. Have you heard of that? It vaguely sounds familiar. Um, it's a show about the mafia, basically, um, in the United States and Russia. And, um, you know, like the, the, the main guy, Raymond Reddington, <clears throat> his, uh, daughter, Elizabeth Keene is in the show and they basically, he's an informant for the FBI and, you know, he turns himself in to keep, you know, to use the FBI to keep him safe while he arrest like maybe like 300 people on this blacklist just for his own advantage in the mafia oh wow yeah and it's really it goes really deep i mean honestly like there's a lot of themes and like questioning what's moral and what's not and um i don't know it's just a phenomenal show there's like nine seasons oh shit that kind of sounds like a movie that i saw once um Back when I was dating this guy about 12 or so years ago, um, it's a movie about a group of friends that have a dinner party one night, uh-huh. and there's like a drifter that comes to the house, um, and it turns out that he's the devil. And um, one by one, as they're sitting at the, you know, around the dinner table, he um, he knows or like dishes out weaknesses of theirs that the other friends around the table are not aware of either like secrets that they've had deep down or like you know evil type of stuff like um only like satan would know it's okay it's really interesting and i remember that tay diggs is in it that's the only reason why i remember so it it had to be like early 2000s or like mid 90s or something um i can't remember the name of it but 
it's kind of got that same thing where there's like a person that knows a lot of stuff and then like tends to use right yeah the the main character in mind he's james spader have you heard of him yes yeah he's i mean he's probably one of the best actors alive like he's really really good (laughs) sometimes i get him confused with um there's a another actor they kind of favor a little bit um because i know james spader was in a couple of movies i like yeah stargate stargate um but sometimes i get him confused with uh the the actor carrie l l l l's or something it's a funny last name they kind of favor a little bit um although now james spader is balding and i think carrie has a full head of hair but they kind of if you squint a little bit um oh so they look the same when they both had long hair um well, if you just squint and look at their face, they kind of mm. favor a little bit. Um, probably more so when they were younger. Yeah. Um, but they still kind of have a similar, like, eyes and nose a little bit. Um, you know, this, they have different styles of dress, clearly. But back then, I couldn't, I kind of got them confused um, for a little bit. But um, nine seasons, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We just uh, finally got caught up and we're on the ninth season it's really really good like especially the first eight like you know not many shows are able to just you know be that intense for that long and not only that each season is 22 episodes and each episode is like almost an hour long wow that's that's pretty good like yeah these days don't last that long they really don't so it's it's a pretty impressive uh show um anyway uh how about um <laughs> how about the joe somewhere. rogan experience oh, oh you know what's funny i was actually thinking about that when we were mm. talking earlier i was like yeah so how about that um <laughs> well since you uh cued the the ball up i guess i'll take a swing um so for me i'm kind of on the fence about it i mean i couldn't care less Honestly, right. like it's it's another one of those hot button things or one of those bandwagon things where it's like people are in such a rush to get on the bandwagon that they're kind of contradicting their very rights and freedoms and liberties that yeah the country yeah. is about. You know what I mean? Um, like I I've listened to a couple of his episodes. I've listened to the N-word compilation. Um, the anti-vaccine thing, it's like his his podcasts, like so many others, are opinion-based. And given, yeah, they're not fact. And he kind not, of goes through that. They're not fact. And, you know, I have, I guess, kind of, I'll say I've been a fan of Joe Rogan since his days, his early days when he was on news radio, which is one of my favorite TV shows. Um, so it's like, what, what do you want? I mean, it's not right. You know, I don't agree with him, you know, shelling out anti-vax stuff if that's the case. Yeah, me either. I, I, I'm definitely, I mean, I anti-vax, I just roll my eyes at them so much because it's like, 
you know, we could just be through this damn thing already. But at the same time, it's people's own personal choice. And honestly, I'm at the point where I'm just ready to watch them die. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. And I don't want Spotify to dock my ass. Um, but no, no not, like... not dock you. I'm saying that anti-vaxxers, like since they are not vaccinated, they're going to well, start dying off soon. Well, I hear that, but what I'm saying is it's like the other thing to that was that um, you know, Spotify has put like a disclaimer on all podcasts. Like when you go to put the episode together and before you publish it, there's like this little yellow thing that's at the top of like all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want anybody to get the impression that we want people to to die out because of this thing. But like as somebody that like served in the military and stuff and knows how you know politics and the government and amendments and shit work i'm not in a rush to like immediately cancel or you know air quotes cancel people it's a slippery Um, slope like i mean it is yeah Um, because at some point it's going to come back around to the people that are canceling people and they end up canceling themselves and it's like now what? Like, it's, I look at it this way, you know, if you constantly um, have a contradictory opinion to what somebody's doing or what they say or how they live all the time. It's almost like being a Nazi yourself, right? Like, Well, well yeah, and it's kind of like they're going to end up not having anything to give. And then we're all going to be a blank slate, one note falling line, you know what i mean and yeah. it's like <sighs> yeah absolutely i mean even just like so that kind of brings me to like um you know zennial generation uh, right. <laughs> it was like i was hooking up with this guy the other day and you know he was gorgeous and perfect had a huge butt and all that and um, I love a huge butt. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, was... I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking of a huge butt this weekend, actually. <laughs> but uh, carry on, sorry. Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big ass. Anyway, uh, you know, it was a Puerto Rican guy, and um, anyway, you know, just very gorgeous. But like, I just couldn't like relate to him because he was like so young. He was like twenty one years old, and. You know, like he was getting kind of like emotional and stuff. And this is going to sound really bad, but I just like have a lack of empathy for people who are 10 years younger than me. (laughs) And I think it's because like I literally told him, I was like, I'm sorry, my trauma has just been so deep throughout life that like what you think is trauma right now just doesn't make sense to me. And like, I don't know, he was getting emotional about uh, the fact I had a boyfriend and I was like, well, you came here consensually to have sex with me knowing I have a boyfriend. You know what I mean? Right. So well, there's that. And I guess what I'm why I'm saying this is because these are the same age group that are trying to cancel everything. And it's, you know, they're trying to cancel things that happened in the 90s when they weren't even like really around. Right. <laughs> and. I don't know. They just seem like a very clueless generation, like unemployable because they're born after technology. So they're relying on TikTok and TikTok and technology. Um, not to say I like boomers any better. 
Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just getting to my like breaking point with some of the Zennials and even Gen Z, just like, I mean, I was at EDC Las Vegas this summer and it was just dystopia. Like, you know, people were pushing and shoving and it was like selfie central. Like there was not a second where I was not standing in somebody's spot to take a selfie. And I was like just so broken from that experience and hurt. Like uh, there was no humanity left and it, it remind you know, I, I kind of could very well see why the Travis Scott thing happened where people died. It's because this generation is about like so much instant gratification that they'll literally trample you to get what they need and want and not take a second um, look at it. It's very me, 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 me. And they don't realize what they're in or what's happening to them because they have nothing to compare it by. And um, I mean, there's an, a point where one of the bands playing at EDC Vegas, I think he put his, his set on autopilot because he's like, you know what? Like this is everything at EDC is basically like me background meme music for the next year. <laughs> and i think this artist was just like you know what i don't you can use somebody else's talent to and music on a on a meme i'm not gonna be that for you guys um and i don't know i'm just i'm getting very frustrated with the way the world is heading it's like i was very a part of being politically active and trying to get rid of trump and all that like, I thought that was a just cause, but uh, canceling every other thing is starting to get a little ridiculous. So. I couldn't agree more. Um, mm-hmm. When you brought up the the boomers, like, we, for you and I, because we're, I think we're around the same age, um, we're in the middle. Yeah, we're not millennial. Only, right, we're, like, not only, like, timeline wise but like society wise it's like you have the boomers that are like pushing us and coming down on us um you know because we're doing things differently or we have it i guess slightly better but you know they still want you know it's it's like what can what's an example i can think of um when I think of boomers, I think of the the three or four years where it was, um, you know, property mattered more to them than like people's lives, right? Or like material things. And in a in a way, I can kind of I can kind of see why because you know the first when I looked at like the twentieth century. I think of like the first uh, 40 or 50 years, like they were like trying to, their generation was trying to get out of the depression and those after effects and trying to build something. So like the house that they just saw at that time was meant something, you know what I mean? It was just not only like status, but like we've arrived we can actually, you know, do a whole lot of things. And of course the market was different. Whereas now it's like the 
you had to they want you to make what almost three to six times as much just to rent an apartment or a house that's like the size of an apartment <laughs> right and then here's the other issue with boomers is that most of them hold the CEO level jobs and will refuse to retire or let go of them because they just want to accumulate wealth and more wealth. And what that is causing a problem for people in work scenarios is that people have no opportunity to move up because these damn CEOs will not retire. So, you know, everyone is stuck in their position until the CEO leaves. Nobody else can move up because it's kind of a stair level effect. And it's it's these older people who have the money to retire like they got a house when it was affordable and they just simply will not. And they a lot of them don't understand how technology works. So it's like, you know, you have Xennials who are only technology and then you have boomers who are technology clueless and trying to run things that they have no idea about so (laughs) yeah like even when they're doing like day-to-day stuff right for example they just go to mcdonald's and can't work the thing the the computer (laughs) (laughs) see i wasn't even going to go there with this example but no but like this, the social media aspect, you know how a lot of the the Gen Zs have like the vlogs and they're living their whole life for follows and counts and stuff, which means there's no like boundary. Right. If um, somebody asks me for a Snapchat on Grindr, I block them. I'm just done at that point. I'm like, we are obviously from two different generations and this is all going to be about social media and I can't deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to um I decided to disconnect my old Twitter from like any profiles I have on hookup apps because I had this one guy who's actually old who was actually older than me, um not really acknowledge my greeting, but right. he went to my alt Twitter, came back and said, Nice videos, man. I'm like, Okay, I'm going. Like I I can't. Yeah, because then they're just like they're using that to look at you before and judge you before even like getting uh, to know you or whatever. Exactly. Which that's another thing I have to kind of face with like older, older guys, especially older white guys who Mm -hmm. like, I feel like as I've gotten older, I feel like there are different subsets of like older white guys, right? You have the one older white guy where you know, he came out early in life. He's been through just about everything or experienced everything. And he's more settled. Or you have, like, the older guy that came out later in life. Like at 50 almost. Right. And, you know, he's traipsing behind, like, younger guys and trying to fit in with them and, like, modeling his life and his existence off of them. Yeah, um, I've definitely noticed that. Um, so that kind of shit that I just explained is the kind of stuff I think the second subset kind of does. It's like, okay, we're here to have an actual conversation and it's, and I don't know, like maybe it's life is different experiences or whatever, but it's like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like we're becoming more judgmental and more, 
uh, segregated and separationist, I mean, if that's a word or whatever. Honestly, so I had a taste of fame with the, the porn stuff, and I tell a lot of people that I pulled out of it because there was a toxicity to it. It was the narcissism and just, you know, being in the public eye these days is not really a place you want to be. Um, having your thoughts and what you say monitored and controlled is not really a place you want to be. And the minute you step into the public view, you're basically giving up your free speech. Um, is people are just going to constantly ostracize what you're saying. And I've gotten to a point where like, if I'm saying something simple, just like my post on Facebook where I'm talking, I'm joking around and saying, Hey, bottoms arch your back and put your shoulders on the bed and don't move. And then of course there's like some of the gays will be like, well, that's like, you know, toxic why are we shame bottom shaming i'm like i'm not bottom shaming i'm just telling you all you need to sit still so i can get my dick hard (laughs) right and they think they think that it's like a a commentary on masculinity versus femininity and i'm like i'm not like assigning you to a role i'm just making a joke (laughs) and that's the thing like even even though it's a joke there is some truth to it you know right (laughs) <laughs> like it's all about the arch arch like a an s not like a u you know stop yeah. moving around you know what i mean because you know they get on these apps and shit and they like they're like oh i can take the biggest zip oh i can take it all and then it's like as soon as you put a finger on their hole they they twinge and they move yeah like, i'm just trying to feel for it i'm not trying to like snatch your soul like right exactly yeah and no i kind of get it it's like sometimes it's difficult but like for bottoms who are like you know used to taking dick and they really just can't sit still i'm like how do you expect me to like you know just stay infinitely hard and get in there when like you just won't like let me catch my rhythm like it's basically just about like catching a rhythm it's not even trying to like control someone like they could lay on their back for all i care i just really need people to learn how to sit still (laughs) unless they're they're like riding me and like that's been like talked about i really think that they should just sit still (laughs) right you know what i think it is i think it's because they've been using dildos for so long they think Uh... a real dick i don't know like i because i'm seeing that more too where it's more and more like hungry bottoms per se doing like a lot of their content is around them riding dildos more or getting fisted more, which is good for you, but it's like you still have to have a semblance of reality as you move yeah. you know, through this life. Like our dicks are not like the dildo. Like we're not yeah, they don't sli- bend. Well, they don't. And if they do, then that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although um, so there have been a few bottoms I've met who can like move they can back up into it without causing a problem but they're like they know how to like keep their body straight while they do it it's not like they're like magical right yeah like some but like most people when they like try to like back up into it they do it at an angle and just like continually move at angles and do it too fast and there's like a thing where i feel like i'm being controlled by them um and i'm like this isn't really i don't know I, I feel like 
topping is inherently a dominant thing. Um, it can be, you can be a sub top, like there's different ways of doing it, but I don't know. Generically, I think it's in, you know, and inherently it is a dominant thing to be a top. You know, I'm slowly, so I started out thinking that and to a slightly lesser degree, I still do. Mm -hmm. Um, but as I'm like experiencing different kind of energies and different kind of personalities, it's um, you know how daddies are boys and they're like they're opening and embracing along the spectrum just the roles and kind of unpacking those kind of attitudes. I was like, I totally get it because it's like for the longest time me as well as other people associated like a particular age group with being a daddy and i and i had this kind of conversation with somebody at mal because i went um i mean i love i love submissive daddies to be honest oh me too (laughs) i think that's the best right (laughs) it's like this is perfect if i wasn't like partnered or wasn't seeing somebody like this would be perfect because it's like they're flexible, they're, you know, they're, like, I don't know the right word, but, like, they're just open to satisfying you, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's always been my favorite scenario is where I don't have to work too hard to overpower somebody. They just sort of, like, you know. Step right with, into it and just right go, into it, it. go with the flow, yeah, and it becomes more tantric and less forceful. I really don't like having to be forceful during sex i hate that and um i don't know i think it's just awkward i think people like should i mean maybe it's wrong to say but i think people should fall into their role (laughs) what you mean i'm supposed to be in the kitchen barefoot now (laughs) have all these babies and you go to work i don't need a man no (laughs) um yeah i i'm stepping into that as well um, and I think it comes from me starting out having, I guess, a preference, so to speak, for older daddies. Right. Um, starting out as okay, an older daddy for me in my twenties and in my late teens meant he has to be a top, because I was all bottom at at that time. But even as I transitioned into being versatile and having not only bottom for daddies, but top for daddies. Um, I've also stepped into this realm of, you know, the Dom sub thing can be applied to anybody. I've actually, a few years ago, as early as probably like 2015, 2016, somebody that I had imaged as a, a Dom top daddy actually calls me daddy. wow i was like oh okay and you know there wasn't much context to it like i would see him at events and stuff but you know an older you know masculine presenting um fairy tan ball-headed like thick salt and pepper beard um don presenting guy with his own well at the time he had his own leather family and, you know, I would, we would talk here and there. I would talk to him in passing and stuff. But at some point, 
he um he had reached out to me and he had picked up on an energy that I put out, I guess. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people need to realize it's very important. It's not just about the aesthetic. Um, you know, there's an energy that we all carry. And I didn't think about it. I was like, well, okay. Even with um, my tattoos, I get kind of put into just the dominant role right away. And I'm dominant when I'm topping, but when I'm sucking cock or, you know, just laying back and getting played with, I'm definitely like super puppy sub. Same. So. But also it's like, I don't know what kind of headspace I'll be in when I show up. Um, but I sometimes I tend to go into it thinking, okay, I'm definitely going to like be topped by this guy. Or I may end up topping. You just never know. But like he was like, you know, you have you have this energy about you that puts me in a space. Um, so where I'm calling you sir and calling you daddy and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. And then like we, I started fisting him and all this other stuff. Um, I wonder if but, any of that had to do with like your military experience. Probably. Um, I will definitely say that it it has had a very positive effect as far as um, getting getting me together. Not that I was a wreck or anything, like one of those Maury's kids, but... um, (laughs) Well, yeah, it's toughened you up and um, gave, gave you a realistic outlook on life. And I could say psychedelics have done the same for me. Yeah, it's definitely um, put me in the mindset that I'm in more in control. Um, and I think, you know, it comes with um, maintaining eye contact, standing straight, shoulders back, you know, saying one or two words, listening intently, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that helped a great deal. I mean, there's still that goofy, silly part of me, but I don't know, like, when I'm in leather spaces or play spaces or whatever, I'm just kind of feeling it out and just kind of looking around and stuff. And I think he picked up on that, but he said, you know, you have that energy. It's just, you know, you could use that to kind of get in people's heads. Can I say uh, something slightly controversial? (laughs) All the time, please. Okay. So, amongst my black friends, you and maybe one other um, I know of, do not get triggered by, um, you know, anything racially driven that's going on in politics. Like, you you seem to look at it with a very level head and a matter-of-fact opinion. And I think that also might just be part of, like, how you were broken down and rebuilt. Um like, you know, so many, so many black men are just very emotional about their blackness, I've noticed. And right. you, you seem to just be very, very confident in it. Um, that's something I've noticed. Yeah, um, I think a huge part of that comes from this. Uh, for about a year or so, I was living with um, my aunt and my uncle, mm-hmm. well, one of them, while my mom was going through her, her thing. Um, and my uncle taught me a lot about being 
proud of being black and Kwanzaa and history and Africa and stuff like that. Um, and not to run from anything. Um, and you know, when you're like 10 or 11 years old, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But the way he speaks to, to us, you know, me and his kids and stuff, it wasn't like a pandering or a condescending kind of way. He was actually educating us and he, and he is an educator. So your dad, you're saying, no, my uncle. Your uncle, um, okay. Right. So I think th- that played a large part in it because, I mean, that was definitely a turning point. You know, when you're 11 or 12 years old, you're kind of in that transition from, like, being a kid to being a young man. Um, so experiencing that internally and then, you know, externally, a lot of outside shit kind of happening, like that matured me a great deal. Um, And unfortunately, I think when you're confident as a black man, that can be seen as a threat. You know what I mean? I mean, for Um, you, I see it. I don't know. I just see it like as positive. Like, I mean, (laughs) I've dealt with a lot of, you know, different types of people on Grindr and what that you know, whenever you've like approached me on uh, social media, you just have a different air about you. And that's kind of probably what that daddy picked up on is that like domineering energy where it's like you're not afraid of anybody. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but what I was when I was saying that I wasn't, you know, meaning you was just. That's another thing I've kind of picked up on is how being a confident black man who's assertive, you know, there are those out there that view that as a threat that needs to be controlled and neutralized. And that's cute. Like, it's cute. It really is cute that, you know, people think that's the best solution, um, even given the climate that we're in. Right. You know what I mean? Where you know, worse has happened to people that look like me because somebody had that similar attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so um, unfortunate. Um, and it just stems from, oh, I was inconvenienced. Oh, I was uncomfortable. Oh, you know, just just certain buzzwords and just one or two buzzwords in like five or ten seconds could ultimately mean removal or expulsion or shit like that and it's just like like, um, we're literally like reliving what it was like in the 50s and the 60s you saying something I'm sorry no absolutely I was gonna say you know Dave Chappelle and that whole thing that happened so um, (laughs) for a while people were trying to cancel him but then I actually like listened to his um you know, his new uh, stand up, and there was some really real shit in there. Like, I won't even lie. Like, he kind of like hit the nail on the head for me because before I was woke, I called the police on black people when I was a server in Boys Town. Um, and I may have been a gay man, but when it came to that, I was definitely white. And that was something he touched on that was very real. And, um, I don't know, again, like people were trying to cancel him because, uh, 
he was having these open dialogues about trans people and they think just because he's a straight man that he doesn't have the you know he's not allowed to talk about this stuff but if you really listen to him somebody he corrected somebody in the audience when they cheered about trans people not being able to go to the right bathroom he said no that's a very mean thing so i really don't think he was like anti-trans or anything like that he just had a message and that's that you know why is it that the gay community does get away with some stuff it's like if somebody says the wrong thing it's like it immediately gets addressed and somebody goes to jail but you know on the other side like black people can literally get shot and killed for the same thing you know what i mean right um or the the canceling part is twice as like high paced and aggressive and right, right, adamant. Right. Like people are so confident in their ignorance because it's a black person on the other end. And it's like you're you're literally no different than you know the any other kind of ignorance in history that we've experienced. Like because you don't get it, you don't understand well why does this person have it? Well because he has a right and just like the rest of us he experiences stuff too and it's not like Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan are like new comedians like they've been doing this for a long time and kind of to piggyback off of what you were saying earlier about the Gen Z's and stuff how they're trying to cancel shit that happened before they came about it's like they're essentially trying to disrespect the history and the generations before just to feel some kind of validation or feel like and they then, have... And then on top of that, they're like taking pop culture references from that time period and turning it into their own fashion statements. Hello? Like, <laughs> when... Okay, so... <laughs> when it was coming around Christmas time, this wasn't a fashion thing per se but like you know christmas music is a big deal every christmas right right you know not just mariah carey but like any christmas song they were trying to cancel uh baby it's cold outside what the fuck right um because it was um i think perpetuating like rape culture or something I'm like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. I'm like, I hope NASA has a rocket for me because I want to leave. Um, That's the point I'm getting to. I just like, I'm like, oh, God, you guys, you're so young. Like, maybe I'm just an old man now, but Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like there's they're adamant about watering down and controlling you know, culture, not just music, but, like, the arts and, you know, comedy and stuff like that. And it's like, you're making a whole performative piece about it and when you can just say you don't get it. Like, there are a lot of comedians out here that make their profession addressing, like, taboo subject matter, like dark humor, so, for example, you know, Bob Saget passed away recently, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of 
a lot of people associate with associate him with Full House, which is understandable. Um, you know that clean, squeaky image he had when he was on there and uh, America's Funniest Home Videos and stuff. But what a lot of people don't know is that his brand of humor, like his stand-up and stuff outside of that world, is actually pretty racy. Yeah, I think um, I've heard some of that stuff. Um, you know, it's you know, it's toilet humor. It's like he has like um, he writes songs and stuff on his comedy albums about um, he went out on a date with a woman that used to be a man, stuff like that. Um, but he so there was a clip circulating. It's an old clip. Um or he was on a, a podcast and I think they were asking him about the audition process for Full House. Um, he said at some point during one of the interviews or the auditions, they wanted him to um, do dialogue across from like a baby doll. Cause they wanted, I, cause it was a family show, of course. Um, but he he did a spin on it that um, he was like, you know, I had this baby doll on my on my leg, and you know, I was supposed to simulate that this was my actual child and stuff. And he went into like some kind of um, pedophilia kind of area with it. That's um, odd. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So me listening to it, and he's he's clearly joking because he's he's not even serious. Like people are laughing, but of course, people that are listening are aware of his kind of comedy. Um, and again, like he never, like even took it to a, a part where he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm assume I'm going to assume this is one of the the Olsen twins." And I, you know, he never went that angle. Like he was legitimately fantasizing about the actual kids that were on the show or going to be on the show. He was, he just took it to an area that is dark humor. And it's like, I'm sure the interview was longer, but just that clip was circulating on Twitter and he had already passed and people were like, ah, we just need to cancel him. He's a, pedophile he's a rapist blah 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 blah. we need to i'm like and he's not even here to he's not even here yeah it's it's kind of fucked up see i haven't really listened to the joe rogan like apparently he said the n-word a bunch of times um well they they piece together clips from various episodes where he's saying the n-word yeah yeah and I mean, that's kind of unforgivable at the same time, like 10 years ago, seven years ago, our country was at a much different place and different things were acceptable than they are now. So, I mean, you have to take all that into account. I don't think it's ever OK necessarily, but I don't know. I, I have to I have to listen to it, to some of these and see if they really are like in or out of context, whatever he's talking about. Yeah, um, it probably is, and it's probably not going to help in any given, you know, how much context you you get in the videos or whatever. Um, Me personally, like, I think at some point 
you know, people get to a part, to a point in life, you know, where they're conscious of history and they reach this new level of consciousness where it's just like, I don't have the energy or, you know, the time or space. Like, I got to a point where it was just like, the N-word doesn't bother me. Because I I'd had this conversation a while back with a, a Black girlfriend of mine. I'm like, it doesn't bother me because I'm not one and I don't know any. You know what I mean? I, I kind of got to the point where, you know, faggot didn't bother me either. So. Oh, oh, like one summer it bothered me and that was I was good. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> um, only if somebody, if I'm fighting somebody and they throw that out there. Oh, right. You're already on 10 and you're ready to knock some heads off. Um. Now, I will say that, you know, I embrace it in other areas, you know, behind closed doors. Um, that's all another thing, but I'm a nasty fuck. So. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, me, me too. Like, you know, I say anything and everything behind a closed door with, you know, my boyfriend and trusted friends. It's like, because we know at the end of the day, like, none of it actually means that it, for us. It's just you know us messing around joking around we're not harming anyone or calling anyone a name in the room you know there's we're not putting anyone in a predicament where they feel outnumbered or uncomfortable it's simply just like our own private humor yeah you're not putting any outward action behind it against another person you're not threatening yeah. other people. and um, then the other thing too is i mean this sounds awful but i think there would be a lot less racism homophobia and trans it's it's pretty bad but like i really do believe that like if people you know they might not act on that stuff if they have a safe space to like say it and not not in public you know what i mean yeah because i mean feelings that are not expressed are repressed and it becomes something worse exactly and i don't think i don't think people that are like part of cancel culture quote unquote get that like you're actually making it worse because everything that goes around is going to come back around you know what i mean like oh yeah yeah we're doing this thing yeah we're doing this now but it's like the big picture what what good is going to come out of this yeah it's definitely going to come full circle and it's going to bite people in the butt. I mean, like, I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, EDC, um, the whole like over policing and, you know, so LA in general is just trash. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm liberal, but the liberals in California take it to a new level. It's like, they are, obsessed with policing people and they're so obsessed with it they don't even see that they live in a superficial capitalist state of mind 24 7 um and how unhealthy that is so i just moved to the south from chicago and mind you uh nashville itself is a blue a blue area but around the surrounding area is more red however the Republicans I have met here um, 
are not in your face about it and they are more willing to listen to you and have a dialogue I've noticed than Republicans in other states um, in the North. Um, and there's a lot more common ground and healthy dialogue here. Um, I've noticed. And also sometimes I would rather have people who are willing to have a dialogue even if they are Republican, then somebody who's extremely superficial and closed-minded and not willing to have a discussion at all unless you agree with them. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I still don't agree with Republican social standpoints, and I never will. Um, I don't really agree with most of what they, they, they believe. But I've noticed here in the South it is much easier to have a dialogue than it is with people in LA. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I thought it would be quite the opposite. I thought this was going to be like Trump country and, you know, people would just constantly fight and it's actually a much more healthy atmosphere than any big city I've been to where, you know, the, the politics and the races are just so divided. I've heard from some, people of color that it's still the south and that they still get treated differently um that being said it's it's still a lot easier to have a conversation out here and there's less segregation here actually like you'll see uh if you go to like bars and stuff a lot more different types of people like truly interacting and not like putting on fronts for each other Hmm. um which is kind of you know um a breath of fresh air from what I was used to in Chicago. Felt very segregated there. Oh, it did. Yeah. I wasn't there long enough to experience or even really notice or experience any of that. That's surprising to me. Um, Cause I was on the same boat as you, as far as like the South was concerned. Um, when I went down actually to Tennessee six or seven years ago, to spend the weekend with this gay couple, I thought, okay, this this may be weird, like a black guy going to stay with a redneck couple, but they were just as nice in person as they were, you know, on the app or whatever. Um, but still, I had to be aware of the fact that you know I still have the rest of Tennessee to kind of experience and deal with if things go left um you know because it's because even though you know you have a a gay couple living in tennessee and stuff it's still very much tennessee and it's still very much deep deep south um it is the deep south in pockets and and you know illinois too is kind of the same like in farm towns all i'll say is from being an uber driver from that standpoint um I feel like I can have political discussions and people are willing to have the dialogue. It's not just like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's like, okay, let's actually talk about this and see where we stand. And even if they like, you know, may disagree with you, they're not like screaming over you, you know? Right. Um, well, that's good. Um, how, so how has all of that influenced you? I mean, of course it's a breath of fresh air, but like, my anxiety is completely gone. Like, I just don't have anxiety anymore. 
um i feel a lot more relaxed um it's just at peace that you know we're not it just i i mean i just don't feel like i'm constantly watching myself i i mean i feel like i can have an opinion or a dialogue and it's just not being criticized nonstop um cuz even if you know being a liberal like even if you say something that's slightly not on par with what other liberals think they get very angry at you like even if you're on their side <laughs> huh. so i've noticed that but again that's like mostly gen gen z zennial that's not like millennial and gen x there i feel like they're still willing to have like that healthy dialogue but it's a lot of like the people who were just born in the last 15 20 years that are very stuck on one one opinion and one opinion only yeah people don't realize like that's that's like the main thing to being the evolutionist like you're not growing you're actually regressing you're not learning and expanding your horizons and your thought processes um you know, that was um, also another benefit from going into the military. I mean, a lot of people now are probably like, you know, no fucking way, you know, all these wars and shit. And it's like, there's so much more to it than that. Like, of course, the travel and stuff like that. But with that, you actually get to see how other people live. And in return, you appreciate what you have much more more and you appreciate you know the fact that what's on the news is not exactly reflected on what the reality is and you start to like you start to you start to awaken to like the human condition and fairness and equality and being more empathetic and less apathetic more selfless less selfish stuff like that um one thing that, you know, when I w- we were tripping the other night, because uh, for the longest time, I felt that, you know, maybe there's like the there's the labor shortage right now because people don't want to work and they're saying that everyone's poor. And yes, there's been really crazy inflation, but me and my partner kind of like realized something. We're like, OK, so he lost his job twice this year and I'm an Uber driver and our rent is not cheap and we did not we're still surviving like no problem (laughs) so we were like how are people like not surviving right now we were kind of confused like how you know sometimes we wonder if the news is just saying stuff to like get people riled up you know what i mean oh definitely they they are um yeah (laughs) because there's money there's money in fear there's a lot of money made in fear Right, right. And uh, yeah, it's like, I get that that groceries are very expensive and all that. uh, But I mean, we've been fine. (laughs) And we're very middle class. And my boyfriend lost his job twice this year. So that's only February. Yeah. Um, That being said, I think that the bubble will pop and some of these boomer landlords and landowners are gonna have to 
budge at some point and house the house market will be affordable again um do you think it's at all possible for like states and cities and like the government uh to come through and just take over properties you ever heard of that before like do you think it's ever possible well didn't they force people to take in military to their homes in one of those wars in the u.s I think it is possible. Yeah, like, I kind of feel like that's probably what's going to end up happening or that's going to have to happen for things to kind of stabilize and normalize. Because it's like the requirements, kind of going back to an earlier point, the requirements for, like, renting, just to rent, like, they want you to make three to six times as much. That's um, ridiculous. Yeah. I was reading I know it's that. definitely impossible to get property these days. Like I definitely know that. But if you're already set up, like it shouldn't be that hard to to live. It shouldn't. Um but here we are. It's like mm-hmm. milk and milk and gas is higher than pussy. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> um that's true. Uh, that being said. Um, I don't think Biden had no really real effect on the gas prices because that um, pipeline he shut down never goes through the U.S. It's from Canada to Mexico. Right. And he pulled out an agreement with Saudi Arabia because it it ended. It was going to end anyway. Um, So and that's that. And the reason he did that is because he wants them to start focusing on clean energy. And that is something very real that we do need if otherwise the world itself is just going to end. So, you know, these Republicans saying that Biden is causing rises in gas prices are just really out of their fucking mind. (laughs) Again, just benefiting off of fear and maliciousness because that whole thing... When, you know, Florida and other areas that weren't even on the pipeline caught wind of that, they they went out and hoarded, like, all this gas and shit. And it's like, the pipeline doesn't even come to Florida. Right. Um, Florida is literally two seconds away from being SeaWorld. So it's like, right. can, can you relax? Um, exactly. And, they, and they've been, it wasn't just Florida, I think it was like up this way too and even like out in the midwest like again other areas that are not on the pipeline and it's like i think if people sat down and did a little research like legitimate research and did some reading like they can figure shit out and realize oh you know we kind of were overreacting again but you know the same people that were doing that kind of shit are the same people that think the whole view of the world is through one news channel so yeah fuck fuck that noise i think a lot of stuff is driving prices up in general it's consumerism and i think republican or democratic i think everybody contributes to over consuming yeah which and we're addicted to it (laughs) We are, and we're, like, greedy and fat because of it. Yes. 
And yeah, like, like I've ordered so much shit from Amazon this last couple months, and I just can't. <laughs> I cannot stop. I really wish I could. It's just such an addiction. I know. It's like, is there anything that's not on there? Everything is on there. They have a monopoly on literally every product. Like, and you'll notice if you just go shopping at like Target or like the hardware store, they don't have like basic stuff anymore, but Amazon has it. So you just have no choice but to order it from them. (laughs) Right. It can be something as simple as like a flat piece of plastic to like hold something up. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's kind of what I meant. It's like that in between stuff that like you need a, a very specific size to convert something to and the hardware store just doesn't carry it anymore. Right. And it's like, do you really want to like go to like the, the wood cutting section and have it measured, you know, the piece of four by four, do all this other shit. It's like, no, not only, not (laughs) only that, uh, the employees at most places don't want to help you anymore because they feel like that they're owed more of a wage for like, you know, a job that, is in retail or i'm like like listen man it's like you didn't invest in your career you chose this this is what it makes i mean and most of these places do make like 15 plus an hour which i think is actually reasonable for a job that's not that good because it's like for other people who really did invest in their their career it's like it's not fair to them that you're making the same or more than them doing almost nothing and it's like, you know, we went to Walmart to get, eh, this is going to sound incredibly white privileged, I know, but we went to Walmart to get a Nintendo Switch, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, there was an old man behind the counter. He didn't want to unlock the uh, thing for us to get the Nintendo Switch out. He said it's because he couldn't leave his perch because he needed to, there need, for a security reason, but there was somebody else there. We waited there for like 20 minutes. Um, finally, he, uh, we got somebody to unlock it when we called the store. And he's like, oh, why didn't you ask this guy to? And we's like, we're like, we did. He just wouldn't do it. And then, so then we're trying to purchase it from him at the counter. And he won't sell it to us without uh, a security clearance from somebody. So we're waiting there for like another 10 minutes and we're like, all right, well, if you're not going to do this, then I guess we'll just grab it and we'll check it out at the front. And he's like, no, you can't do that. I'll call security. And we're like, good. Maybe he'll help us check this item out. And it's just like it was he was doing anything and anything and everything he could to not do his job. And then it's like we go to a Waffle House and I've gone to the same Waffle House near my house 10 times. Not not exaggerating, legitimately 10 times at different times of night and day and they every single time we're closing down right now to clean or we're only doing to go orders or it's like every single time I've gone in there I've got turned away and there's like nobody in there and I'm like you guys are a 24 hour establishment and this job isn't that hard it's it's an assembly line job where the ingredients are laid out for you and how to make it is laid out for you and it explained in perfect writing and you know I've served in high capacity restaurants and taken 10 tables at a time with a job that was not straightforward where I had to learn all the steps on my own with no trainer and I still survived. So I'm just like, how can, you know, this is one of the easiest jobs and they won't, they are refusing to do it. They doing, they're doing anything to not work. And that 
this what I where I'm going with this is that I would much rather just at this point order it on Amazon than have to deal with all that because I, I feel like the villain when I have to tell somebody that they're not doing their job. Right. Like it, even though it's obvious that they're not. But yeah. I think part of that comes from I guess feeling well and above entitled to doing nothing even like even if that day for them there wasn't a whole lot going on at all or maybe it was like one or two people that came in a couple of you know every so often like they it's still they still act like that you know what i mean like right and it's not just like restaurants or like walmarts or stuff like that um it's it's just about everywhere that isn't Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. And like we're, they're trying to condition us to hate Chick-fil-A and it's like yeah, uh have you been to another fast food place in the drive-through? Like they they act like you're asking for a pint of their blood with your order or you know, they're asking like you're asking them for their child's social to put in your tax return. You know, like, very evasive shit when it's just like, you know, I just want, you know, a 10-piece nugget. Um, I don't want it a particular way because it's just nuggets. And then, even still, like, you ask them for a particular sauce and yeah, you get, like, a bag of sauces like always... that you didn't ask for. Um, right, no, I've, I, so I went to a, the new Whataburger out here and waited for 50 minutes in a line for five cars still got the wrong order <laughs> after like, waiting there for an hour that's always been a like, mystery to me right and <laughs> i'm like or taco bell will just not give us um the hot sauces anymore <laughs> i'm like i'm not eating a taco without hot sauce right like come on <laughs> like who does that like squares um right <laughs> But it's either like they don't want to give you the sauces or they'll charge you for them. They don't want to fill like the shit up all the way to the top in the cup or it's always something. And it's like you guys do this day in, day out. Everything is organized from what's on the the monitor to how the orders are like in single file line. Like it's almost automatic. It is automatic, um, and that's why it really pisses me off that they won't do their damn job. I'm like, if you really dislike this line of work, then don't take that job. Right. <laughs> it's like I drive my car and do Uber sometimes for 10 hours, and I put up with all kinds of stuff, and, you know, it's just like, do that. <laughs> right. So it's funny that you bring it up because i had been doing – I haven't done it in like three years. I stopped literally months before the pandemic, like got us all back into the house. Um, but I remember that la- the last two months I did it, it must've been something in the water. It must've been a full moon, but it's like I had two women in one day, I think, or in one weekend, like one, I had to go pick up from Walmart Um Oh, those it, runs are the fucking worst. Well, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, um, and I can like sit on here for like another hour to, to like lay those out. But 
um, this one, it was like close to 6 p.m. And the ride was less than like two miles, right? I'm like, no big deal. Um, and it was telling me I can go two different ways. It was essentially to like avoid the interstate. But she kept trying to tell me, you know, well, don't go that way because it'll take longer. I need to go pick up my daughter from daycare. I was like, okay. But she said it in a way it was kind of like, did she forget this was my car? Um, right. But I'm like, okay, I already know how this is going to go. So we went back and forth about it. Like, you really need to chill out. Like, I had been doing this for like two or three years. And I had gotten to a point to where I need to, like, make a rules of engagement. Because right. people kind of going back on your point earlier where it was just like people just feel this sense of entitlement to like control tell other people like in their own shit like go this way don't go this way but like continue with the drama and the attitude and it's just like if you know we're supposed you want me to get you somewhere before they close you might not want to give me an attitude because I can cancel the shit right here Absolutely. you know what I mean um, yeah but me being the soft teddy bear that I am, and you know this, I'm a soft mm-hmm. teddy. I can be a soft teddy bear, and I, I did kind of feel bad because I was like, okay, she needs to get her kid from daycare, and she yeah, only and has... since, I've, since I've been in Tennessee, I haven't gotten angry at any of my passengers because people are so chill here. See, I wish I had that, but see, this was Baltimore. It's like you're either going to get somebody like that's chill. Or somebody that doesn't care, or somebody that's just a butthole, and it's like, right. either way, I'm doing you a service. Like it's either this or the bus. Um, yeah, but Absolutely. yeah, like she set the tone for the whole ride, and I did end up apologizing to her because I I felt that I was a little rough with her, even though in the mm-hmm. back of my mind I'm like I probably shouldn't have did that because I mean she's getting the ride either way. Um, right, but come to find out, what it was is knowing that the daycare closed at six, she decided to go to Walmart first and do her grocery shopping. <laughs> she left, so she left her cart full of groceries in the Walmart to go get her daughter. So she was she was essentially rushing me, knowing that the daycare closes at six. Yeah, it's right. a little ridiculous. Trash. Um, yeah, and also Walmart yeah. runs. Like I've always noticed that it's like they'll be the getting to them is much further than where they're going, and then always. they want you to like get out of your car and open the trunk and help them with their groceries and all that. <laughs> I hate them. I know. <laughs> um, I had this one lady I picked up from the supermarket, and I and. This is one of the reasons why I don't turn the Lyft or the Uber app on until I'm like out of a certain area. Because I just know there's somebody in the supermarket that needs me to pick them up. Right. To like load up my entire truck uh, with like a month's full of groceries and drive for like three miles and only get like a $6 tip. Right. Like you're literally wearing my truck out with all these groceries, lady. You can do a little bit better than that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I digress. Agree. I digress. Um, 
However, so being <laughs> I've I've been in I've been in the service energy or industry in all different kinds of respects. So I know I was complaining about service people, but I'll tell you, I'm very patient with them. Like, I mean, I've gone like that Waffle House that I've been to 10 times. I've been like, okay, that's cool. Every time I go in, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't till the 10th time where I was like, this isn't okay. What's wrong? Like, why, why is location ever going to run again? Like, what's going on? You know? Right. And then I go to a different Waffle House and then they tell me that they actually despise that location because they get uh, slammed all the time because that location just refuses to do anything. Huh. So it's not even just me. It's like other locations recognize the fact that that location just uh, doesn't operate very well. Hmm. Somebody's enabling these people to not do their job. And I don't know who it is. That's a good, that's a good thought piece. Yeah. All I know is like the day that they do get replaced by machines, I'm not going to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, when is that going to happen? Pretty soon. Probably mm-hmm. around the same time they bring out the Harriet Tubman $20 bill they've been talking about for two years. Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine dropping that at the Cracker Barrel? I love that. Uh... <laughs> yeah that's great now there there's going to be automated machines pretty much i mean walmart already has talked about where they'll just have like cameras watching and the aisles will be stocked based on smart technology and you won't be able to leave the store without you know it will basically charge you for all the items in your car cart as you leave the store automatically just by sensors, it won't. You won't even have to go through a register. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, that will definitely. Um, that will definitely take a lot of um, save you a lot of time as far as like checkout and standing in line and shit like that. I mean, even at the pharmacy, I have to carve out an hour sometimes just to get the pills I need to survive. Oof. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, they're just pills. Like, just put them in the bottle. Give them to me. Like, what's the big deal? Right. (laughs) Right. It's like you think a process that they've done thousands of times will become a lot quicker the more they do it. Yeah, and it seems like it's gotten much, much slower. And, I mean, I get it's COVID-related that, like, a lot of places have lost their workforce and whatnot, and they have new employees who are learning how to do stuff. Um, But, I mean, I'm using Express Scripts now and having them mailed to my house. And now I have to use packaging that litters the earth because people can't get me my medicine in 15 minutes it has to take an hour every time i go there it really is i'd really like to not have to litter the earth (laughs) right because you know it already has it already has enough litter yeah yeah um this has been a great um time sir it has (laughs) so let me say um 
not to like make you relive that past life you had. Um, mm-hmm. So I still have on my external hard drive like two clips from the website you used to have. Do you still have the website? Yeah, it's still up. Okay. Um, so there's one that is in the back seat. Oh yeah, that one was popular. <sighs> I watched that the other day. I was like, "That's great." <laughs> yeah, that was just a very uh, DIY jerk off video. Oh okay. What does DIY mean? I forgot. Do it yourself. Kind of like, yeah, kind of de- do it yourself. Very. Uh, I mean, that was OnlyFans content before OnlyFans existed. Yeah, everybody's doing OnlyFans these days. Yeah, it's um, not cool anymore. <laughs> it's not, and it's still divisive, and still like regurgitates the same model we've been watching for years, where it's just like a particular type, a particular look, and it's like, won't you guys do like everyday guys? Yeah, I agree. Or, you know, what I've noticed is that I can't get any of the models to answer me unless, like, they expect you to have, like, 20,000-plus followers or they don't answer you. So they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it just for more followers, and that's it. Right. Um, There's a guy in Nashville. um, (sighs) Seamus. Oh um, yeah, she she annoys me. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> because okay, so he was supposed to be in one of my videos in like 2015 or something like that, 2016. Um, we were at Jackhammer. He's like, "Yeah, I'll come film with you." Um, we talked about it. He agreed to it again by text, I believe, and then. The day of, I had a whole set set up and he just completely bailed on it and was just like, well, my partner doesn't want me to come today, so I'm not. But I'm like, why did you wait to the last minute to say that? And then from that point forward, he's just like, barely will have a conversation, barely interact with me. I mean, he's very also much on that train of like needing to have a certain amount of followers to like be interactive with you and I'm just not about that life. I understand. That's yeah. it's a shame. Um, yeah. I hope he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm at the point where I just don't give a fuck. I really don't like I I could give a fuck about anybody famous or any of that. I'm just so. I mean, I do psychedelics all the time, and life is not that, it's not that deep with these people. They're, they're not that important. Yeah, true. I mean, um, I have a similar attitude about it that you do, where it's just like, and I could tell, like, early on, um, probably the moment my following started to get somewhere on Twitter a little bit, where it was just like, you know, you come across a plethora of profiles where it's like, 
DM for collabs, DM for collabs. And it's like, <laughs> you do it, and the shit sits there for six months. And it's not even like people that have done studio work. It's like a guy that's living in D.C. or a guy that's right. like right around the corner. But, you know, using that same profile, they'll get on there and talk about, you know, how they're having all these kind of issues and they're stepping away from social media. And then like an hour or so later, there's like a new scene that's up. And it's like, okay, girl. Okay, girl. What? Okay, girl. Like, please. Um, and it's inter- it, that's the more frustrating part is that people that are accessible like let this platform or the social media shit, you know, as far as a high follower count Change their whole, yeah. Well, right. Just change their whole attitude, their their heart and stuff about it. It's like, okay, like I've met you, like outside of social media, like please, Um, right? Yeah, like as an artist, my favorite thing is being accessible to people. I love that when I make a custom piece of art for somebody that I have a direct conversation with them and I get to feel them. And their energy come through. I'm not too good to talk to anybody. That's what I love about you. Well, among Thank other you. things. Among other things, which are very obvious, but that, uh, yeah, I find I'm more like entranced or enamored by things that people can't see or, but they can feel it. Right. Um, whereas for a lot of people out here, it's the opposite um and it's just like eh, you're not gonna get far you're not gonna get a whole lot for yourself thinking that way but you know apples and oranges um absolutely um not out here to harp on anybody but i observe more than i act and i'm just like yeah that's not gonna go too well like people <laughs> people are in these like situations or these relationships or these dynamics out of gratification it's like oh yeah somebody so me and my partner got um, a domestic partnership for uh, affidavit we posted Mm. it to facebook just because we were like kind of excited about it but you know it was more for like tax reasons and co-owning property and it, it just helps us be on the same insurance and whatnot so this muscular guy on facebook saw that we did that right and he got married a week later to somebody he'd been dating for a month. And they're not together anymore. <laughs> and nice. it, it's just like the, the whole performative aspect of it and doing it for the wrong reasons. Just to be seen and be a part of it. Not to actually not because they actually love each other. Right. It and you know, that kind of stuff. Thankfully, you know, we, you and I have like this intuition that kind of, that kicks in right? like immediately as we're like navigating or traversing this, this life and this social media shit or just people in person. It's just like, I know what you're about. Um, and that's not good, but you still watch them as life goes on, it's just like, this is not going to go too well. You know, making it all about you, 
stepping on people's necks, you know, messing up relationships and, you know, doing all of this just for likes and for validation and acceptance. And it's like, go to therapy. Like, do something positive and constructive. Take some acid. Well, I'm not there yet. Um, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll just stick to the sweet leaf, the hash, you know, the stickiest of the icky. That'll get me through. Um, We we recently got a seahorse. It's a for dab oil, you just dip it and press it for three seconds. It basically turns it into a vapor, and voila, you're high as fuck. Oh wow! Yeah, they're pretty. They're very pretty too. You should look it up. The seahorse has changed my life. Um, I know, not last year, but I think the year before last, when we vacationed in the Outer Banks, um, there was a. A pipe shop down there and i think i saw a couple of those yeah they're really pretty like ours is a i believe it's an anodized uh titanium it kind of has like that holographic um rainbowy color to it and right it's beautiful sounds like it mm-hmm. mm. and um oh they started making like a silicone b-shaped hive that you can keep all the dab oil in Oh, wow. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, I was surprised at, like, how creative people get with, I guess, pipe making or bone making or... Well, it's uh, like anything else, technology is just getting more and more advanced and the materials that people can use are getting more and more advanced. And, I mean, I can't believe that in 2010, I had, like, 20 bongs. And now... I just have this little tiny seahorse and that's enough to get me fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've been getting fucked up for a while because it, okay. it does have a lot of medicinal effects. Um, but even now it's just like, I need to be calming and soothing more. Um, right. And more relaxed because so much, so much change and so much uh, adjusting has been happening so fast um, within the confines of like this pandemic and stuff. Where it's just like, okay, you need to. I had to sell my house. I need to move. I need to do this. I need to do that. New job. New. You know, it's just I mean, a whole lot. There is a lot going on in the world right now, and right. I, there's so much going on that the way I could describe it is. There's pressure in the atmosphere from all these different things. And I think everybody's feeling it and everybody's a little bit on edge because anytime something happens, it, it affects you. And you just have to find ways to regroup and not let the, the big things affect you. Um, like, you know, there's just I think that's I, everybody's been on edge lately. I've noticed it. Yeah, it's um, it hasn't been easy, especially as you like have changes in your own interpersonal relationships, like moving and living together and stuff like that, and having yeah. and all that comes with that. Um, but I will say that, like for me, my outlet is of course 
this podcast and the YouTube channel and video games and writing and poetry and shit like that. Um, yeah, art makes the world go round. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Every time we every time we trip, uh, we write a little poetry. Um, so. I'm going to read, I think this will probably be the last thing I say before hopping off, but uh, this is a poem that me and my boyfriend collectively wrote while we were tripping on Friday. We'll (laughs) we'll take this as a poetry slam. Yay, I'll do my snapping fingers. So, um, how to outshine and outsparkly everyone in the most minimalistic way possible. I need to minimalistically outshine everybody. Gallery. This is a gallery of mine for victims of Derek. There's a dog play exhibit in the corner. There are no chairs. Please look around. You probably should have used the restroom before you got here. You may look, but you can't point. And then there, there's an exhibit and it says EDC Vegas 2022 is for memeing. The future is a meme. The background music here will be in the top five everything you see at EDC this week. And that will basically be distilled all the way down to a handful of five-point-second vines and snaps and tweets for the music the next week. Let's find our meme music for this the year, EDC Las Vegas. The background noise on the meme maker. This is to the point where the artist or DJ says you can use someone else's musical talent on a meme. A jury sentencing during a meme. There are some great people. Are there some people say your art is controversial? Yes, it's great, isn't it? Stories from fake Snapchat suicides echoing, I will fucking do it, while adjusting the lighting and having a knife to the neck. The Zuck cock pluck hold for the entire world, Zuckerberg, Cuckerberg, Russia won't fire missilesberg, the world rest on your meme. This is all being televised for the world in a COVID bubble as the Olympics are in Chinese control. And that's it. <laughs> Damn, Thank baby, you. That was on fire. Appreciate it. Uh, before you leave, uh huh. Can you do me one solid? Sure. I love the way you say cock. Cock. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Suck my cockulus. Oh yes. <laughs> I just sipped some Baja Blast after I said that. <laughs> yes, the liquid sunshine from a uh, Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear the word Baja Blast, I think of that clip from the one of the news channels where like people were gathered around a Taco Bell that burned down or something, and like this big black woman was on the news, of course, with colored hair and makeup and stuff, and she was singing Baja Blast, and as she There's was a singing. Song? Well, she she was just singing the word over and over again, like blast. Yeah, like and okay. the more she as she went on along, she got the notes got higher and higher and higher, and people were like chanting and waving their hands back and forth like it was a tent revival. It was amazing. I love that. I was like, the girl, loves her by her blast. Um. That's another thing, like, we're, like, around here on YouTube watching, like, news bloopers and shit, and, like, people freak out, people being dumb and road rage shit, and just just to feel better about our lives, you know? I feel you. 
Um, but thank you for indulging me by saying the word cock. Cock. Mm. Cock. Mm. Cock. Oh. Yeah. Should, should turn that into a fucking MP3. Ugh. Maybe I'll write a song called Cock. You should. I was surprised you didn't break out the keyboard. Because I have, I have a, a song called Habanero, 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 Habanero Vagina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love a coochie on fire, okay? We love it. Hell yeah. And you know I love the the iconic bop, um, suck a dick. <laughs> uh, Are you mean twerking on a what? You know what? Yes! yes. <laughs> Why that's not on Spotify and iTunes, I don't know, but literally a cultural reset is when you made that jam. <laughs> Yeah, I probably that, I probably shouldn't have being a white boy. <laughs> well, listen, people were there for it; they liked it. Man, I was I was like, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, what a moment! <laughs> but as we before we head out of here, just wanted to thank my uh, special guest for joining me on my tired podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. A second time, you know, the last mm-hmm. time, amazing, and this time even more so. And hell yeah, I'm sure he'll be on in the future more because you know we love him around here. Um, this is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. You guys know what to do: follow, subscribe, stay hydrated, stay blessed, and mind your fucking business. <laughs> and we're out this bitch with Mr. Phoenix. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, baby. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye.